Welcome to the Synapse Podcast. I'm Lauren Prager, and it is my pleasure to be coming to you with Sean Best with Bay Area Innovations. Welcome, Sean. Thank you. We're very happy to have you on the Synapse Innovation Podcast. So as we always start, share a little bit about yourself and the work that you do to bring innovation to life here in Florida. So my company, Bay Area Innovations, so we, we do product development, product design. And um, <clears throat> we're, we basically just help people bring their ideas to reality, essentially. So I can literally dream something up as I'm walking the dog or cooking dinner and I uh, email you and say, Sean, I had this idea. And here's a picture I sketched out on a napkin. Can you make this for me? And the answer would be yes. And what? we get that all the time. All the time. Okay, what maybe are, is one of the wackiest ideas that has come to you in the 20-something years you've been doing engineering, creative work? I, I, so I can't really say what those ideas are because <clears throat> we're under NDA. Oh, well, that's fair. Okay, so, good job. <laughs> but... But we get some, and you know, I, I tell the guys all the time, I'm like, if I can't see it, we won't quote it, we won't do it. So there are some <laughs> projects that come along, and I'm just kind of like, no, we can't do that. Okay, <laughs> all right. So you heard it here. This is rule number one when you're engaging in a new design product. You've got to be able to see it, share it, and explain it so that somebody can actually help you create it. So see, we're learning already. We're about 60 seconds into the podcast. I love it. Mission accomplished. So, okay, Barry Area Innovation. So what actually do you do? What is it that, how do you help people bring their ideas to life? Let's put a little bit more depth into that. So it's a, it's a process, really. Um, I've been doing this a long time. It's been, gosh, it's been 20 years now. And in the beginning when I was younger, you know, you're just kind of like feeling your way through it all, right? So at this point in time, we've, we've identified this process that just works no matter whose product it is, no matter what industry it is. Um, and we, we step through it religiously, um, and the first, the first step of the entire process is we sit down and have a conversation with a client, multiple conversations with mm -hmm. the client, um, trying to figure out kind of like what their vision is, what problem are they trying to solve, what's their value proposition, who their client or their customer is, um, and just trying to get a feel like, honestly, just trying to absorb everything they know. Get into their minds. Yes. Okay. And that can probably be a bit of a scary place, but also exciting because you get to work on lots of different types of projects and creations. So the design process is one that is, um, it, there can be a lot of pitfalls, right? You can, there's probably best practices, some expert ways to address how you would approach bringing an idea to life. So you've had 20 years of experience with an engineering background, lots of time bringing this into um, expertise. So share with us some of the best practices when somebody comes to you that they should be expecting to make the process of creation um, come to life. From, from a product development perspective, I think the biggest thing is they just, <clears throat> they just need to be open to like other ideas, right? Other, other opinions, other ideas, um, and not be like really stuck in kind of like their, their initial vision, right? Um, 
we've seen that happen over the years where, you know, sometimes clients are just like, no, they're, it's this, it's this. And it's like, they're not looking at the bigger picture or they don't see the other opportunities. Um, but I would say, you know, nine out of 10 times, that's not the clients that, that are coming in here. Um, normally they come in and they're very smart, you know, very educated, um, open-minded, um, good at communication, good at collaboration, you know, they can articulate well. They're, they're, they're really, you know, the individuals who are really trying to do something with the ideas they have, they're, they're smart. Well, right. I mean, to be innovative, to really kind of push a new idea forward, you have to be open-minded. You can't, nothing can be too precious. And you have, right, right. You think of something that's so delicate and so precious. So you've got to be willing to be collaborative. You've got to be willing to take inspiration from lots of different sources and then bring that together. So to be a partner in that, you have to come into this open-minded. You can't be so rigid that you're not willing to evolve or the word that we were using earlier is even like pivot. You know, you, you really have to be open to that process. So that's, so, you know, I know some projects are probably pretty quick and some projects are probably really long term. So um, how do you help people kind of level set expectations? Innovation is not something that generally happens overnight. Yeah. I I want to go back to your comment. You talked about like pivoting and about like, you know, not being rigid. I think that's just in general life, right? Like this is where I kind of relate our product design process to like life in general is you don't go through life rigid. You know, if you want to be successful, you go through life open-minded and you get a lot of different opinions and you try things and you iterate, right? It's, it's very similar in product development. It, it's almost identical. It makes sense. You have to, and that's, you know, how we got connected was obviously through Synapse and Synapse Summit, where you have a real diverse community of innovators from lots of different industries and technologies coming together. It's never just in your silo. So it's true. And we were talking before we officially started recording about engineering as a metaphor for life. And I want to unpack that a little bit because I am not an engineer. (laughs) I am the opposite of an engineer. We're all engineers. I promise. I'm the opposite of an engineer. I mean, you have a you have an engineering background. This is literally what you do. So, you know, what are some of the lessons learned, I guess, that you've taken from your experiences as an engineer and and them that connect into life? I think some of the ones we've all heard before, and then some of the ones are probably unique to me and in my thought process. But you know, we've all heard the you know, fail fast, fail often. Mm-hmm. So true. Um, you know, in the design cycle, you know, you want to get to prototypes quickly so you can test your hypothesis, test your, your thoughts, test your, you know, the debates. And the quicker you get the prototype, the quicker you can identify where were we right, where were we wrong. Okay, let's go make some changes and re-prototype again, right? And it becomes this iterative process, which is just like life, iterative process, right? Yeah. Um, outside of that, I, I, you know, one, one that I really picked up on over the years is don't compartmentalize. Um, I think, you know, that whole idea behind work-life balance is wrong. I think you want to make it all work together. Um, your personal life should support your work life. Your work life should support your social life. Your family life should support all of it. Like, it should all work together. So that way you're never working. You're never putting one thing off or something else. You're doing it all at the same time. So as a CEO, as an entrepreneur leading your company, what are some ways that you've been able to accomplish that? <laughs> so I make I make jokes all the time in the office that if it wasn't for 
my company, I'd have no friends. <laughs> okay. Well, that doesn't sound like <laughs> harmony or balance right there. So <laughs> we might have to, <laughs> that's a separate podcast, I think. No, the, 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 the ongoing joke with that is um, a lot of our clients become friends and, you know, we're hanging out in the evening and we're talking about their business and we're talking about my business or we're talking about their product or we're talking about family and it all goes together. Um, and, you know, I relate to these individuals because they're entrepreneurs and they're inventors and they're, you know, family people. And, um, you know, they just, they're, they're just other human beings. And it, it all goes together. So it really kind of like irons this idea of like, be selective of who you spend your time with and who you're around. And so it all, that, that's how kind of we do it at, at the office. Um, but yeah. Hopefully that answered it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds to me like what you're saying is your clients are just wonderful people and you want to spend time with them. And I understand that our Synapse world is much the same. Whether you're part of the Synapse team, which is small but mighty, or the extended community all across the, you know, our our leadership, our members, um, our, you know, event attendees, like these are just people we want to hang out with because they're creative and they're interesting and they're cool. So um, I totally understand that. Um, So- that's that's really key and you derive inspiration from being around others so I think a lot of times people think of engineers as heads down working on whatever protocol they're doing or creating and so what you're suggesting is it's actually much more people centric and we shouldn't forget that yes yes I I think sometimes engineers need to get like pulled out of their shell a little bit more Um, but like you know we do a lot of mentoring and a lot of coaching in the industry um, and in the community so you know, for a while, I was the only one doing it. <clears throat> and then I just looked around at my team and I was like, I want them to do this, right? I want, because I'm constantly teaching, you know, them because I have more experience and then I'm out here mentoring and coaching. And then I just kind of looked around the room and I'm like, I want you guys to be mentors and mentees. Yeah. So now they're doing the mentoring on top of it as well and coming out of their shell and becoming like very you know, much more social, which has been great. That's so important. That that says a lot about the culture also elevating your team and elevating your staff and helping them find their voices. I think, you know, I always think of that old adage, see one, do one, teach one. And that is very, very powerful and empowering. So good on you. That's very, that's very cool. So you're building this team and you've got these amazing clients and you're helping people literally take their idea and bring it to life. So for those of us who are not engineers and don't know the the tools that you're using, or maybe for those listeners, because we have a lot who are expert in this, talk a little bit about some of the mechanics. Like we use terms in the world of creativity and creation, like additive manufacturing and mm-hmm. rapid prototyping. And okay, jargon is fun, but like, let's talk what it actually means to do these things. So if people have an idea, they're listening and all of a sudden, um, you know, as they're driving and listening to this podcast or whatever they're doing, they think, man, I actually do have an idea. What are some of these tools? tools and tactics that you use that they should be familiar with? It's a good question. It, <clears throat> it kind of steps through like the process, right? You know, we have the, we start off with these conversations to try to identify the product, identify the client and things like that. But as soon as we all sit around the table and we agree on what the product is, then we have to get into, you know, the software programs that we utilize to design in, whether it's you know, SolidWorks CAD or Altium for PCB design, but we're start we get into like this, you know, this software side of things where we're trying to create the visuals and create something that's real, right? 
trying to take everything that we discussed and make it visual. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of, we go back and forth through that process quite a bit as well. And then at some point in time, we're all ready to prototype it, right? And that's where you get into these terms of like rapid prototyping or additive manufacturing. Um, you know, we, we, we've touched on rapid prototyping quite a bit where it's just, the reason it's called rapid prototyping is, is okay, we've all agreed on it. Now we want to see it, right? And it's like, how fast can we get it? Yeah. Right? We don't want to wait a, a month or six weeks for it. Um, additive manufacturing is just one form of rapid prototyping. Um, but additive manufacturing is just so much bigger than that. Um, it's, it's, it's going to revolutionize just the world. It's one of probably the five or six things over the next decade or two. Okay, so for people who really don't know what it is, what is it that's so revolutionary? So... Manufacturing today is mostly subtractive, meaning we start off with, you know, much more material and then we cut away material to create what we want, right? Um, even clothing, right? We start off with much more bigger sheets of material and then we cut it down to whatever and sew it together. And, and same thing with metal and, and, you know, often plastics and stuff. Um, and then, you know, added manufacturing is where we're kind of like building it piece by piece or like, you know, Spec by spec. You're literally adding. Yes. I think about 3D printers, how they go from the bottom and add up yes. or out. Yes. So, okay. And that's just one of the technologies. So uh, help me understand why is this, I mean, I philosophically, maybe it's less waste, but um, why is this so revolutionary? And, and how, what are some of the things that you see coming down the pike that will be so transformative as a result of this innovation? I mean, you landed on one of them. It's, you know more efficient, right? It's less material waste, more efficient. So from a conservatory or conservative, conservative, conservation, cons conservation I got perspective. You. Thank you. See, I know engineer. It's math. okay. Liberal okay. arts major over here. Perfect. I got you. <laughs> That'll work. So yes, from like a, you know, conservation perspective, obviously it's better. Um, but there, there's a lot of other parts of it that I don't think, you know, us, you know, we always think about is logistics, right? If you can print on demand, now you don't mass produce in one location and then have to deal with logistics and transportation. You can basically print at the location where the product is needed. So you can save a lot of money on logistics costs, um, obviously the material waste. Um, and then it, it gets into other things like customization, right? Where I think Invisalign is probably a good example of that where you need to produce things, but they're custom to every single person. So you can't create a mold and produce the same thing a million times. It's like, I need it slightly different for Sean. Well, I need it slightly different for Lauren. So that's where 3D printing really comes into play from like a production manufacturing perspective. And and with uh, Invisalign, such an easy and obvious example. I don't yeah. think most people realize that it's 3D, you know, it's additive manufacturing, but um, it is. Yeah. And it's something that's become so ubiquitous. I think that happens a lot of time with technology. All of a sudden it shows up and we can't imagine we ever lived our life without yes. it. I mean, hello, yes. looking at this phone. So I, I see that. So, you know, it's interesting to imagine some of the other ways that this innovation is pervasive and changing. And I think also about all of the supply chain challenges that we've had international supply chain challenges that were really um, exacerbated during COVID. So yep. now you're here, you've had, you have this company, you're seeing this transition. How have those supply chain challenges enabled, um, uh, you know, companies like yours to grow and provide services and maybe even eliminate some of those challenges for companies that are building 
um, and and need product, and they can now do it here. I mean, is is this a is this a way that we're going to eliminate some of those challenges that we've had in the past, or is our supply chain systems too complex, our manufacturing systems too complex that we can't eliminate or reduce the burdens on on in using this technology? That's a really good question. It's, that's a deep question. It's really good. I, I think I think I would I think it's analogous with the energy conversation, right? Like renewable energy isn't going to just completely wipe out <clears throat> our current energy supplies, right? In terms of oil, gas, and things like that. It's just going to complement it. I think added manufacturing is the exact, is an equivalent to that. It's not gonna completely wipe out subtractive manufacturing. It's just going to complement it in areas that are cost effective and you know, in areas that you maybe can't achieve what you can achieve. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So what, you started Bay Area Innovations how long ago? Oh, gosh. Uh, 15 years ago. Okay. So 15 years ago, the world was like a some completely different place. Tampa Bay was a different place. Florida was a different place. Yeah. But the entire world was a different place. And somehow you anticipated the need for the sorts of um, uh, innovation support that you're able to provide. So tell us a little bit about your story that got you here to this point, your your educational journey, your professional journey that got you to this point where now you have this thriving company right here in the Tampa Bay area and you're able to help accelerate um, the, the growth of our innovation community. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> um, it's, it's funny, right? Like, 15 years ago, I didn't, nobody knew that Tampa was going to be what it is right now. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because I, I walk around, and we run in a lot of the same circles, and I see, you know, innovation, innovation, innovation. And there's definitely a part of me that's kind of like, good job, Sean. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't let your, you know, don't strain a muscle right, cutting yourself right, in the back. <laughs> right, um, You know, so, but, you know, I just, I knew education was important, Um you know, when we were going to school, it was being pushed very hard. So I knew it was important. I knew if I wanted to do anything in this world that was valuable to me, I needed to be educated. So, you know, went and took, got three degrees, two in engineering, one in business. Um, and um, at some point in time, I just realized, like, I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to, like, be responsible for myself and and, you know, be able to if there was an upside to it, be able to like, you know, be rewarded with that upside, I guess. Mm -hmm. And how has that worked out for you? I'm here with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, being an entrepreneur is not easy, right? It is, it is really difficult and you're betting on yourself every day. Yes. And that is a beautiful thing to be able to do that. And then to provide this type of a support and help people realize their vision. It's kind of the best of both worlds, being an entrepreneur and helping other entrepreneurs. I get that. It really is. It really is. I, and I look back over the last 15 years and, you know, you make a lot of mistakes when you're trying to create something and you don't have a whole lot of guidance or a whole lot of support. Um, and I look at the environment and the ecosystem today, and it, if, if this had existed 15 years ago, I would have probably made significantly less mistakes. So share for those people who are here, whether they're in Tampa Bay or really any market, um, it's helpful to know what the resources are that as an entrepreneur, you either wish you had or that you see now that you hope people take advantage of. We see that 
all the time at Synapse events and through the Synapse community. There are now resources there. And sometimes we'll get calls from people and they'll say, I need support to build my company. I need to understand how to build a beautiful pitch deck. I need to understand how to pitch to a VC. I need to understand how to build relationships with corporate enterprise leaders. How do I do this? So there, all of those resources are here. So if you look back in the Wayback Machine and you were to talk to yourself 15 years ago, what are those resources that you see here now that that today's entrepreneurs can take advantage of and allow them to really thrive as a result. The Wayback Machine. That's the Wayback like that. Machine, yeah. <clears throat> There's Maybe so you many. you build me a Wayback Machine. If I could do that, that would be great. Um, there, there's honestly, there's so many to list. I mean, we, you know, you guys are connected. The synapse, <clears throat> the synapse name that you guys have is really interesting because I'm like, you're connecting. Yes. I know. I yes, it. that's intentional. <laughs> Excuse me. But um, there's so many, honestly, at the university level. Um, there's so many, you know, from like the incubator and accelerator perspectives. And I, I just, there's, there, honestly, there's probably more resources than one individual could ever need, right? And then the communities and, and things like that. Um, it just, I mean, but but here I am, like you know, I'm not I'm not done in this process. So now, even though I say I wish these resources were here 15 years ago, um, and I have this experience over the last 15, 20 years, I'm, and I'm, you know, teaching and and trying to mentor, you know, individuals that you know are you know probably in that college you know realm, and clients that come in too. But I'm still learning too every day. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, so here I am, you know. And I'm, I have access to all these resources today, so I'm thankful for that, and you know we leverage that as well. So, the same way I put my you know my team into mentor mentee relationship you know situations, I feel like I'm in a mentor mentee situation every single day, um, and that's it's been great. Yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. You're constantly able to learn conversations like this. I get a chance to just meet inspiring people who have a different perspective and point of view, and it's helpful to, to just come at, at every day with an open mind. Yes. So, you know, I think that definitely makes a, a big difference. Um, and we had a chance to connect and host you at Synapse Summit, which is, you know, really kind of the ultimate gathering for Florida's innovators from different industries, technologies, and communities. So I'd love to give you a moment and maybe share your experiences, share your Synapse story, what was your involvement, you know, to share for everybody here and what the impact was of that experience for you personally or you professionally or both. Yeah. This, we've, we've, we've actually been at Synapse twice now, two years in a row, and you know, we'll continue to be there every year moving forward. The last, this last year was, this is going to be like this little personal, but the last year was really interesting for me because, you know, you're walking around and you're like, okay, I know these are my people, right? You're walking around, and he's like, you know, and you're, you know, you feel very like these are my people, but often, you know, in life and it, as well, you kind of like are still trying to figure out where you fit in, even when you do find your people, right? And this this synapses last year was really interesting, and it was just kind of icing on the cake for us because we started hearing the same message from multiple individuals that we met and individuals that we already knew, and it was Sean nobody is really doing like product development like you guys are like like physical hardware like you know like there's software development companies and there's you know finance and and you know prototyping but like nobody's really like 
designing physical product as a service and and who and if they are willing to like share their story and their process and you know just kind of like here here's all the information I ever have you know um and I think that like really resonated with me it, it just made me feel like okay that's that's how I can that's how I can give back to this community mm-hmm. um and not just be somebody who's taking from it does that make sense a hundred percent the people who really thrive as part of an innovation community, their first instinct is to ask, how can I help? Yeah. What can I give? Not what can I get? Right. And that really, I mean, community first is what it's all about. That is that is who the Synapse community is. So it really, it's great to hear that that was the feeling that you got, even walking around and meeting thousands of people and just feeling that energy that you were inspired to support and to give and to share what you know so generously. That's the yeah. coolest thing about all of this. People just want to share. And yeah. I'm so glad that you're here and you want to share. Um, so I always like to ask um, one kind of, Fun question because it, it helps me to learn about the innovation community. Um, lots of people are innovators. You don't only need to be doing tech to be an innovator. So I wanted to ask, who is an innovator, dead or alive, that has who has inspired you and why? So I think my answer is going to be generic, but my why will probably be unique. Um, Musk has been just amazing to watch over the last decade or so. And to learn about his history and just kind of see what he's doing. And, you know, I see patterns, so I kind of see how it all goes together for him. Like he's, you know, I talk about compartmentalization. It may look like different companies, but it's really he's doing one big company. They're just kind of broken up into these sub-segments. Um, so it's been him. And um, I, I think the why is, I think he's, you know, He's, he's achieving some things that I don't even realize we thought were going to be achievable in our lifetime. Um, and I always kind of reference that when we're stepping through any issues at the office or stepping through a difficult part of the design. And I'm like, guys, we're literally sending rockets into space and landing them. Like, we can do this. This isn't that hard. Um, and I just kind of always use it as a reference of like, anything's achievable. Anything's achievable. That's very true. And you help to make it possible. So for those listening who are um, curious about design, looking for a partner to um, connect with, please make sure that you connect through the show notes and find Sean Best. You're the best, Sean Best. I love it. I mean, come on, that was a gimme. (laughs) Seriously, though, thank you for being part of the community. Thank you for your generosity of spirit and um, supporting this incredible innovation community. We're so thrilled to have you here on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.